Welcome to the Books of Titans podcast, where I seek truth in the world's great books. I'm your host, Eric Rostad, coming to you from the beautiful Books of Titans studio in Franklin, Tennessee. My goal is to read 200 of the great books over the next 10 years and share what I'm learning. I'll talk a bit about each book, tie ideas together from a variety of genres, and share the one thing I always hope to remember from each of the great books. Today, I'm going to cover the New Testament using the translation by David Bentley Hart. This is the fourth episode I've done in the Bible this year. I covered three different parts of the Hebrew Bible in the first three episodes, and then this fourth book is the New Testament. So this is book four for my 2024 reading list. Well, I made it. I I ended up reading the entire Bible in the first two months of this year. So I'm recording this right now on February 29. So we have leap year this year, and I'm thankful for that extra day because it took me that long to finish it. I finished it this morning. I I read the final part and it's always a good feeling. I mean, it's uh, taking two, two months out of, out of each year to, to read one book. Um, and this is the third time I've done it. I made it all the way through. And, and each time I finished on the last day of the month. So I, I'm obviously, you know, spacing it out, but I'm, I'm never quite certain if I will finish it by the end of February. But for three times now, I have done that. And uh, it's it's been such a, a good thing. I did it the first time in 2020. And then again, last year, and then this is the, the third year I've done it. I do plan to do it all the years of my life going forward. So um, just a different version and different translation each time. So this year, I read the David Bentley Hart translation of the New Testament. And as far as I can recall, this is the first time I've ever read a translation of the New Testament that was completed by an individual. And I, I say that as opposed to, to one that's completed by a committee. So almost every other Bible version I've read has been, you know, the CSB version was... Um, was the one I did in 2020. Uh, I've read the the NIV, um, the NASB. There's there's different versions, but the, but they're all done by a committee of people, and and uh, but this one was done by an individual. And David Bentley Hart in his introduction talks about that. He talks about the the differences and in, in how with a, a committee you end up starting to have kind of a a similar voice through the through the whole book even though there's different authors and different ways that they've written and different manners of style and, and all that. Uh, where Whereas one of David Bentley's goals was to maintain that unique voice of, of the different authors of the books of the New Testament. So let me take a step back here and just talk about David Bentley Hart's aim for this translation and this, this version. And then... Um, and then I'll get into a few other items here in, in the introduction. So here, here's David Bentley Hart speaking in the introduction. My principal aim is to help awaken readers to mysteries and uncertainties and surprises in the New Testament documents that often lie wholly hidden from view beneath layers of received hermeneutical and theological tradition. End quote. And then I'm going to go to his postscript at the very end of the book. And then uh, here he, he talks about one of his goals. And... Uh, the, the attempt was to make an original text visible through as thin a layer of translation as I can contrive to superimpose upon it, end quote. So just the, you know, the, the, the bare minimums uh, of what, what, what you can do with a translation uh, to make the, the original text come alive as, as, as possible. And he, he talks a lot about the difficulty of, of doing that and, and the difficulty of, of, of even us understanding uh, the, the words in the, in the text as it comes to us so far removed from that time. Uh, and yet it is very approachable as well. So he kind of talks about all those different things. Here's one other part in the introduction I want to highlight. 
Uh, he says this, I, sus I suspect that many readers will be somewhat taken aback by the absence of many terms they are accustomed to finding in the New Testament. And here is a list of the, the terms he's talking about. Eternal, forever, redemption, justification, repentance, predestination, world, hell, and so on. And by the very presence of very different terms in their places, end quote. And that is one thing that startled me in the reading of this, this book. So the, the way it's set up is there, there is this introduction and he just kind of gives a, a very quick overview of, of what you're getting into. And one of those things is that you will, you will notice that there are words that are different than what you're used to. And, and that was something that stuck out right away. So you've got this introduction, and then he goes straight into the, into the New Testament. And in the New Testament there, he does not have a lot of footnotes. So I just came off from reading the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible that was translated and commented upon by Robert Alter. And, on, and, and in that Hebrew Bible, the footnotes are, they take up more of the page than the, than the actual text of the book of the Bible in, in many many of the pages. So you contrast that with uh, David Bentley Hart's edition of the New Testament here, and most pages don't even have a footnote. So if there is a footnote, it's like, it's, you know, it's, it's a, a super important thing that he wants to highlight. So you're, you're pretty much just getting the New Testament as he's translated it. Very few interruptions, very few footnotes. And then at the very end, you've got this postscript that it, I, I just found it to be very helpful. So as I'm reading the New Testament, as I'm coming across these terms like that I just mentioned that don't show up, but in a, in their place are are these words that I'm not accustomed to seeing when talking about this. So f one example is there is a lot of talk about the world in in uh, in the New Testament, in the world as as like the the way that, uh, that, that, that the world lives and that, and that kind of thing. But the way that, that Hart translates it is cosmos. And he uses that term every time. And, and I guess the actual Greek term is cosmos, but most, most of the translations that you'll come across, they translate that as world. Uh, but he translates it as cosmos. And, and I'll get into why he, he describes why he does that. And, and I'll share that in the next segment here, but um, it's very startling. And I, I, I don't, necessarily like that term like cosmos what it's it's a weird term uh so what does it mean but that's exactly the point is that as i'm reading it i'm coming across these terms that are different and it it startles me it it jars me and and that's the exact word that he uses in the postscript and he said it, one of his purposes was to do that uh and in, in fact he 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 acknowledges that uh that you will be jarred by reading this translation especially if you're used to different translations of of the new testament but i find that to be so helpful to uh, uh i've heard the bible read many times i i've read it at different points in my life. And I've, I've read these different translations. And once a verse becomes common, uh, maybe it's one that I've heard a lot. My, it's like my brain just shuts off. I was like, okay, I've heard that before. I know what it's going to say. I just kind of shut off and wait until that person stops quoting and then says what they're going to say about it. Um, but when you come across a translation like this, that is so different from what I've read in the past, it, it makes you stop and think, okay, why is this word being used here? What's the idea that the, the original author was trying to get across? What, what's going on? And so I, I love that aspect. And just the, the brilliance of the way that this one was set up, where you've got that introduction saying, hey, 
uh, there, there's going to be some words that are that are a little different from what you're used to. And then, bam, you just get into the New Testament. There's very few notes in that. And then, okay, here's the postscript. And in the postscript, there's there's a number of sections. But one section is just like, hey, here are the words that I used and why I used them. And so cosmos is one of the words that that he highlights. And he, he highlights a bunch of other, like the 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 word for eternal. He never he never uses eternal. He uses he uses the word age or ages. And um he, he describes why. And I just found that to be so helpful. And because by the by the time you get done with the New Testament, you're like, what why? use these terms. What do they mean? Why have I always read world, but here it's cosmos. And then to have a description of why that's the case in the original Greek word and in other literature of the time of how they used that word and so helpful. So if, if you're in that boat where you just kind of like, you've heard the Bible a lot, um, maybe you, you just, you, you, you kind of want a fresh read of it. This, this might be a good, a good one for you to go by, but, um, but yeah, just, uh, I, I loved the setup. I, I, I really enjoyed this New Testament. I, I, I probably probably will return to it again at some point in my life. I, I want to give, I did this in, in a few of the episodes about the Hebrew Bible, but I, I want to give just kind of an overview of the narrative arc of the New Testament. Uh, what's what's just startling to me as I, as I read through the entire Bible and, and, and do this each year is just how it, how it ties together. I mean, it's, it's really extraordinary for all these different books written so far apart in different styles and, and genres and, and all that. And, and for, for there to be this kind of overall narrative arc to it, but then within the books, there's narrative arcs and, uh, within the, the divisions, there are, are narrative arcs. So like within the new Testament, we've, you've got a, a narrative arc to it. And so just, just very basics here. You've got, uh, four accounts at the very beginning, four different books that, that give an account of the life of Jesus. After that, you've got this book, uh, the book of acts and, uh, Jesus has, has died. He is resurrected. And then he, he ascends into heaven and it's kind of like, now what, what, now, how, how then shall we live? What do, what do we do now? And uh, the Spirit comes and in, in dwells in these disciples that, that had followed Jesus around. But something else happens in that other people get this Spirit, and they are called Gentiles. And so there's this question of what, what does this all mean? What the heck is going on here? And then you've got this guy named Saul, and he has a... Uh, tremendous conversion. And then he starts doing the, these missionary journeys. And so after the book of Acts, then you, you start having these letters and many of these letters are written to these, these assemblies, these, uh, churches that Paul, who, uh, used to be named Saul that he has started. And so you, you start reading these different letters going out. At the very end, you've got a book, the book of Revelation, where John is describing visions that he has had of these grand events in the cosmos. And so th- there's this, this overall narrative arc to it, and then a, a narrative arc to the entire Bible. There's this promised covenant in, uh, a promised new covenant that that the person is given a new heart and, and you start seeing that played out in the book of Acts. You start seeing that played out. And then just kind of these, these, these questions of what, what does this all mean? How does this tie to the, the Hebrew Bible? How, do, how does this all work together? And so that's a lot of what's being worked out in, in the new Testament here. And obviously that's a the very, very quick overview of, of the new Testament, but, but I, I do love thinking about it in that narrative arc type of, of thing. And then just reading straight through the Bible really does 
help to see kind of those those big narrative arcs of it. And so that's that's one thing I really enjoy each year. As for an initial reaction to uh, to the New Testament here, I, I had parts that just really stood out to me this time, and, and I love when that happens. Uh, so this time in John 6, that really stuck out, Acts 26. Uh, in fact, the entire book of Acts was was just, I, I, just, I just loved it. And, but it's really like, after having read the Hebrew Bible and, and having that all lead up to the book of Acts, and, and you see these people trying to grapple with what what happens now, but looking back to and, and making, making sense of it all. Like, it's just, it's, it's really exciting to, to read it. Um, uh, especially having just come off of the Hebrew Bible Romans. I, I just Romans, there's, there's kind of an, an argument. There, there's a number of arguments, but there, there's a, a broad one. And I was just able to track with it this time. And, and again, I think that that is also just as part of that, trying to read straight through the Bible. Um, I, I just sat down and I read like the first eight chapters of Roman in, in Romans in, in one sitting. And it, it just helped me to track the argument. Uh, Cause it's almost like, I think of it as like Ram, uh, the random access memory when uh, on your computer where you're working on things and, and it's, it's just kind of being stored in that, that, that quick memory um, where you can access it quickly, but it's not like, it's not in the deep em- memory quite yet it's kind of like that where you need that as you're reading through the bible like there's there's parts of the argument and you're like i I need that part of the argument to stick in my head while i continue on and then i need to be able to access that quickly but if i break it up i'll forget kind of those those quick things that that i need to have still stuck in my my head so yeah one one other thing that that really stuck out was just those the romans but the, the the first eight chapters in particular um Reading stats, uh, this, I started February 19 and then fi- finished this morning, February 29. It's a 642 page book that includes both the introduction and the postscript, uh, total time on the new Testament with the intro and postscript was 23 hours and 32 minutes. It took me 11 days and to read it. So that was 58 pages per day for the entire Bible this year. I started January 1st, finished February 29. It was 3,834 pages total. Again, a lot of that on the Robert Alter translation was uh, made up of footnotes that I didn't read. Uh, and and so uh, that's a lot of pages, but some of those pages would go by pretty quickly when I was just reading through the, the actual text. It took me 110 hours and 55 minutes total to get through the Bible. That was over 60 days, and so that averaged 64 pages per day. So in this episode, I have a sort of a balance between what is actually in the New Testament itself and then just the the peculiarities or the the certain things that were part of David Bentley's Bentley Hart's translation specifically. So um, I, I'll cover kind of both of those in the next two segments. So segment two, I will just cover some observations I had while going through the New Testament. And then in segment three, I will close as I usually do with the one thing. So the one thing that that really stuck out to me this time reading through the, the New Testament. Well, one of the really cool things that I've found in reading straight through the Bible is that it does a couple things. One is that um, just within the Bible itself, each year I read it, I pick up on new things. And then each subsequent reading, it's like I remember those things and it just, 
opens up new things that I didn't notice before. And, and that's an obvious thing. I mean, that would happen with any book. You just notice things each, each time you read it. But um, the other really cool thing is that I'm reading this. I'm starting each year off reading straight through the Bible, but this is part of a reading project. And in the reading project, I'm trying to read the great books of all time, the greatest books of all time. And, and I've made a list of 200 of them. And last year I started reading through those. And I, I started with the oldest book that we know, and I, I'm just making my way through 200 of them over the next 10 years or so. And as I read the Bible, though, the, uh, I, I see terms, I see ways of talking about things. And then I, as I read these great books or other books that I'm reading for this project, I, I notice things as well. And then they, they kind of inform each other. And that's one of the reasons I, I want to read the Bible each year is just to see how other literature interacts with the Bible. Uh, so much of, of, of the literature that we know is inspired by this, or it references the Bible or it references different stories. And so just, I, I want to know it well, but then I, I want to see, I, I'm really curious if, if there are things that have influenced the Bible. And so I read the Epic of Gil Gilgamesh last year, and that would have been around before the Bible. And, and there's a flood story in there. There's a deluge story that's very similar to the one in, in uh, the book of Genesis, yet has very important differences as well. And so I, I love that aspect. I love just within the Bible itself, learning and then uh, seeing those things the following year. But then also in the Bible in dialogue with these other works, these other works in dialogue with the Bible. And so one area in particular that I first noticed when I read through the Bible in 2020 was just this lack of content about the afterlife in, in the Bible, in, in the sense of heaven and hell, as we typically see them in artwork or, or talk about them. I did not see that. Uh, it's there. But not in the Hebrew Bible. Like there's, God lives in the heavens, but there's not like, okay, when you die, you go to heaven and it's like this. Um, and then hell, it, like there's Sheol and there's Hades, but there's not like hell. There's not like the, like the, the version of hell that we're, we're, we, we normally see in movies or read about in books. And so that just got me really intrigued because I was expecting to go in and just read straight through the Bible and see these things very clearly. And they were not there very clearly. And so that stuck out. And what I loved about this David Bentley Hart translation is that he hits that head on. And so he does that first, just in his translation, in, in the words he chose and that sort of thing. But then also in the postscript at the very end, just he, he, he goes into this. And so he talks not only about the locations and in, in the sense of, of, a, of a heaven and a hell or a Hades or a shoal uh, or these valleys that are, that are talked about, but he also talks about the time aspect of it. So is it eternal? Is it for a period? Is it for an age? That kind of thing. So I want to read just a few, a few parts here uh, of, of the postscript that, that deal with this and that I found very interesting. The first is this, there really is no word in Hebrew that naturally means eternity, either temporal, temporal or atemporal, or any word that naturally means forever. Uh, he says in other uh, other translations then the the terms in scripture mean eternal typically rather than defectively is not merely logically impossible to verify but simply false uh, uh, end quote he later goes on and he says 
the way he deals with this is he, he using an uppercase letter to suggest something of its eschatological or otherworldly resonance. This leaves it to the reader to decide whether he or she wishes to read age here as me- meaning an eternity of duration, an eternity of quality, or indefinite if long span of time, or the age that is coming. Only in a few cases where the context warrants have I used a different rendering. End quote. And so the the he doesn't he doesn't uh, translate the term that you you will see in most other translations as eternal. He doesn't translate it that way. He t- he translates it as the age or the age to come or something like that. And and that's his description of why he does that. He he wants to leave it open to the reader to decide. Okay, does this the age to come? Does that mean an eternal age to come or a temporal? Uh, so stuff like that that I really. I th- I found very thought provoking, um, whether he's right or wrong. Just the the idea of thinking about that, of of considering it, and looking at the the original words used, how he translated them, how other translators translate them, and what that what that entails. Uh, I loved that. So that's just one example in the in the aspect of eternal. Now, let me jump to another thing that he points out in the introduction that I thought was really interesting, and that is that his, his, the uniqueness of a translation by an individual. And so he, he contrasts that to the, the translation by committee, uh, which is every other version of the Bible that I've read, where, where you can benefit in an individual doing it is, in what he really tried to, to, to have happen is... To, to highlight the different voices of the different authors. And so in, in the, uh, the introduction here, he, he says this about translation by committee. Most translations, in even, evening out the oddities of the text, tend to flatten the various voices of the writers into a single, clean, commodious style, usually the translator's own, end quote. And so what, what Hart did in this translation is to try to render the the unique voice of each of the authors. And one of the ways that he did this was to use the present tense. And he mentions that this is actually done in the King James Version, but it's, it's kind of hard to tell with the uh, the archaic language in, in, the, in the way those the, uh, it's presented. But uh, it, it, they, the King James translators actually did a good job of this, but it it was startling to read it because, uh, you're, you're, you're reading about things that happened in the past. And so how, how this is normally done in the translation is, is, is just everything is in the past tense. But what David Bentley Hart would do is there'd be a section is like, and then you know, they went, they went to this place. And, and so that's all in the past tense. But then once you get to that place, he's, he goes to the present tense. And what it does is just give this sense of urgency in that you, you almost feel like you're there and like you're, you're hearing it. Yeah. I almost had this, this like New Jersey guy voice in my head and like, and then he says, he's going to do this and he's going to, and, and that's, that's like, you, you feel there. And so I, I want to read an example and this is from John. And then I want to talk about this particular story, uh, in, in, and, and that's how I'll close out this observation section here. So here we go. Um, on the following day, he desired to go into Galilee. Uh, this is chapter one of, of the Gospel of John. And he finds Philip. And Jesus says to him, so again, there's, the, there's that presence, 
tense instead of, and Jesus said, uh, it's, and Jesus says to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city from which Andrew and Peter came. Philip finds Nathanael and says to him, we have found him of whom Moses wrote in the law and the prophets, Jesus, son of Joseph from Nazareth. And Nathanael said to him, can there be anything good out of Nazareth? Philip says to him, come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael approaching him and says to him, look, truly an Israelite in whom there is no guile. Nathanael says to him, where do you, did you know me from? Jesus answered and said to him, before Philip called you, I saw that you were beneath the fig tree. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And, and I'll stop, stop reading there. Um, so you, you, you could hear that back and forth between the past and the present tense. And it's, it's odd just because like you, you just assume everything is going to be, you, you almost think it's a mistake, but this is how John wrote it. And, and so he tries to capture that. Whereas a lot of the other translations will just have everything in the past tense. But, but I also wanted to point out this particular story. And what was great is that I, I had just read it. And then the church service I went to last week, they talked about this exact verse and it just, it's one of those stories that it's like this, this has to be true. Like this is such a, this is such a crazy story that, that it, it, it's just so odd. Like it, it, it's, it's one of those things like it, it's almost the, the craziest story is, is probably the true one because you just couldn't make it up. Uh, but, but here this, this guy, Nathaniel is told about Jesus and, he, and his first inclination is to say, can anything good come from where Jesus came from? So right off the bat, he's, he's got low expectations. Can, can anything come out of, good come out of there? And then Jesus says, before Philip called you, I saw you, that you were beneath the fig tree. And the way in, in the, the message that I heard this past week talked about that is what, what likely happened here is that something happened under the fig tree that was life-altering for Nathaniel. Maybe it was his point of biggest shame in his life or where something just tragic happened and perhaps that was where he felt alone and, and, and didn't have, like, didn't have anything and, and maybe cried out to God but didn't expect God to be there or to see. And then whatever Jesus said to him, uh, Philip goes from thinking that nothing good com could come out of Nazareth to him saying, you are the son of God, you're the king of Israel. And it's just one of those, such a startling thing. Like, I think we can all relate. Like if, if some, if someone came up to you and said, I saw you at this point in your life, or I saw you at the, the most painful place of your life. And perhaps you haven't even told anybody about it, or no one knows except a few people, but somebody out of the blue comes up and says, I saw you at, at this horrible part of your life or this transformational point in your life. And that causes such a change in this person that they, they, uh, they have that kind of a reaction. Uh, and I, I just love that story, but there, there, there were so many times when I was reading this, the new Testament this time that I saw stories like that, that it was like, gosh, this is just, it's so unique. And, and just, it, it has this sense of like, that is such a, that is so deep of an insight into people. And you can read it one way of like, okay, that's strange. Why did he have this sudden thing? But like, what you kind of ask yourself, why did he have this sudden, sudden change? And, and it just makes it come alive back, back to the present tense thing. I loved how th that aspect of this translation really brought these stories out in a, in a different way. 
uh, it, it helps you not to like get stuck like, oh, okay, all this stuff happened in the past. But it's like you get the sense that you're right there in the story. And, and I loved that about uh, this, this version. All right, now on to segment three and the one thing, my one key takeaway from the New Testament. Well, I kind of had a, a, a bit of an epiphany, I guess you could say, in Romans, when I read through Romans this time, and, and specifically chapter five in verse 12. And I, I love that this is what came about because this is such a good mix of this particular version of the New Testament. So yes, I read the New Testament, but yes, it was also translated by Hart. And then I had mentioned that he didn't do footnotes, but this is one case where he did an enormous footnote. It's it's huge. And so uh, <laughs> this particular verse, he says, it constitutes one of the most consequential mistranslations in Christian history. And the verse is Romans 5, 12, and it says this, according to Hart's translation. Therefore, just as sin entered into the cosmos through one man and death through sin, so also death pervaded all humanity, whereupon all sinned, end quote. This is where uh, one of the main places, I guess, where the idea of original sin or original guilt w uh, came from. And so he said, this is a, this is a grave mistranslation in, in that, that idea should not have ar arisen from there. And, and the way he talks about it instead. Uh, so one thing he says is this, this, it was never as an inherited condition of criminal culpability. Uh, but, but instead he likens it to, he likens it to a disease. So death is the disease and it's spread by sin. And I, you know, just as a thought experiment, that, that was a very helpful way for me to, to think about it. And especially after COVID, uh, Hart did this translation before COVID. So it's not like he, he put that in there because of, uh, because we all, <laughs> we all have disease in our mind or something, but like, uh, post COVID now we, we do, we understand this idea of a disease rapidly spreading across the entire world. Uh, impacting and infecting all of us or, or most of us. And so it's kind of fresh on the mind. It just makes sense. I, I, I understand. I understand that. And it, it just helped to, it helped me to, to think about it, like uh, that, that there being a disease and there, there needs to be a cure for that. And then as is spoken about in, in Ezekiel that I highlighted in that episode, there, there's this idea that we need a, a new heart, like uh, we need a new heart along with the cure in that, that, uh, and, and then you see that throughout, throughout the Bible, you see, there's a, there's a big part of Hebrews, the letter Hebrews that, that talks about this, that talks about this new covenant and the new heart. And so I found that to be very helpful. And as I mentioned before, just Romans one through eight in general, I, I was tracking with it this time, uh, tracking with the arguments and this really helped me to, to, to follow it even, even better. So I, I've mostly heard my entire life, the opposite. I've heard that idea of the origin of, of original sin. And I've, I've kind of heard this translated and uh, understood in that manner. So this, this was, a uh, perhaps a, a new way of looking at it. And then just, uh, that, that way of thinking about it in terms of disease, sickness being, uh, or, or it being spread by sin that, that really helped me to just kind of frame things in my mind. So, um, Quick, quick recap. I, with with books like the Bible, where maybe you've heard it a lot, you've heard it read, maybe you've read it a lot. Sometimes it's it's helpful just to have a spark of a fresh translation or or a a new way of of um, 
of of looking at it. Uh, maybe some some new words to to be thrown at you that that just help you to see it in a different light or or think about it in in a different way. I loved that the introduction and the postscript addressed a number of the questions that I've been having as I've read through the Bible, uh, especially in in the areas of the afterlife and time and and all that. So if if you're kind of in that same boat where you just need a fresh reading of it, uh, I suggest this one, I recommend this one, and I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Now I am moving on to the great book. So March 1st, tomorrow, I will start with my second reading of the Iliad. And I can't wait. I'm going to pair this with a guidebook of the Iliad. So last year, I read straight through the Iliad. And really, just to get the story down, I was part of a a group where we read through the book. But now I'm I'm kind of going to take it slower, read this guidebook. Uh, So I'll read the, the chapter in the guidebook about the chapter, and then I'll read the actual chapter in the Iliad, and, and I'll go through the whole book that way. Then I'm on to the Greeks. I, I, I have a lot of the, the Greek writings on my list this year. Thank you for listening. I want to highlight quickly my my website development company. That's how I fund this reading project, and, and just to, for you to keep me in mind if you know of anyone who needs a online presence overhaul or a new a new uh, website for for your company. That's going to do it for this episode. Thank you for listening. I would love to hear from you, uh, especially if you've read this translation of the New Testament. Maybe you liked it. Maybe you didn't like it. Maybe uh, some other things stuck out to you. I would love to hear about those things. I started this reading project as, as a way to meet other people who are reading, reading the same books that, that I was. So I, I, I really, truly would love to hear from you. You can email me at eric at booksoftitans.com. You can also follow Books of Titans on Instagram or Twitter at Books of Titans. And please go to the website, booksoftitans.com. First off, sign up for the newsletter. I send something out monthly and, and more recently, I've been doing it um, on, a, on a weekly basis, just kind of sharing what I'm learning, um, sharing the books that I'm reading, the podcast episodes that I've done, that sort of thing. I also have a ton of resources on that website to help you find the best books and to create your own reading list. So I will be back in a week or two talking about other books on this year's reading list. Until then, keep reading, keep learning, and keep listening. I'm out.